matter of the practice of the contents of the teachings, the vast teachings. And the reason why I have uh, composed this text in a condensed form is to facilitate the practice of the vast teaching. Uh, now, um, the <coughs> next section is on the reason for the on the reason for composition. In other words, it's also a statement of uh, his uh, modesty, uh, <coughs> and then the explanation of the reason for the composition of the text. So it's better for me to read the, uh, the translation because I can't translate better than these. And so it's better that I explain, I translate the explanations of uh, important phrases and uh, each of the lines. Now, uh, he, he states his modesty by saying the following, there's nothing here that has not been explained before, meaning that Shantideva uh, has no uh, new teachings that Buddha has not given to be uh, uh, given uh, sitting on the <coughs> throne, and uh, everything is uh, strictly according to the teachings of the Buddha himself. ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、
they never were proud that they that, that they knew much that they attend that they had attended high realizations when Adisha was suppressed. That don't say that you don't have qualities. Uh, you have to uh, develop bodhicitta. And Adisha said, bodhicitta is not not mind bodhicitta. So that's the bodhicitta of my guru. I learned. I developed that through my guru. And then somebody says, I told him that you had to direct, you have the wisdom, understanding, uh, emptiness directly. <coughs> then he said, that wisdom is uh, my master, Abadudi's wisdom. It's not my wisdom. So although they had high, they had high realizations, they never uh, showed any sense of arrogance and you know, a pride that they were great and they were uh, you know, quite learned. They always maintained a, low, a lowly seat, meaning modesty. In these two lines, uh, in between the lines, you know, what we can learn is that uh, uh, one, of the, one of the qualities of uh, Shantideva is that he was extremely humble and modest. Third line says, therefore, lacking an intention to benefit others, I write this in order to acquaint it to my mind. Uh, I, write, uh, I write this in order to acquaint, acquaint it to my mind. Uh, now, because he has nothing new to explain, uh, nor does he, uh, not, just as he says, nor does he have uh, any uh, rhetoric art, art of re- uh, rhetoric or poetic diction. Uh, therefore, he has no intention that by composing <coughs> this, he will be able to benefit. Now here, the word benefit, benefit who? He says, he has no hope that by composing this text, that this text or he will be able to benefit those people who are only wealthy and who, only, and who are only uh, engrossed in wealthy uh, uh, gains and never and think of for the, uh, welfare or the happiness in the next life. And also to those people, he has no intention, or he doesn't have hopes that he will be able to benefit people who are self-centered and selfish. Who, who never has uh, any sense of uh, benevolence and altruism um, for others. Mm-hmm. No. 
I read in order to acquaint it to my mind is the fourth line, and if I do not write these uh, texts for these reasons, what do I write it for? Then he says, I write it in order to acquaint it to my mind, meaning I write this text, uh, compose this text in order to um, in order to enrich and enhance my own practice of the <coughs> development of a precious amount of enlightenment uh, in order to uh, deepen my familiarity with the uh, with the precious amount of enlightenment so this is the reason for the composition of uh, the text If someone, if someone now raises the question, uh, couldn't you familiarize uh, your mind with uh, Bodhicitta or mind of enlightenment even without composing a text? <coughs> then he says, uh, couldn't you do that? What's the point necessarily? You know, what's the reason to compose a text necessarily to account your mind with Bodhicitta? Then he says, in the in the third verse, for due to acquaintance with what is wholesome, the force of my faith may for a short while increase because of these words. If, however, these words are seen by others, equal in fortune to myself, it may be meaningful for them. Now, the explanation given by Gurumbhachi is, uh, it's, it's quite right that uh, for acquainting um, one's mind with, uh, one's mind with Bodhicitta, it's not necessary to write a text. However, I have written this text because if what you know mentally are recorded or written in black and white, it uh, it uh, strengthens or it uh, intensifies that realization of what is in your mind. He says, and um, when he says the force of my faith, he meant his if his uh, development of uh, bodhicitta is written in black and white, then his faith, meaning his conviction in the Bodhicitta for a short while increases. And besides, if the text, if the text which is, uh, um, if the text which contains the experiences of my Bodhicitta as, uh, is seen by those people who, are, uh, who have minor dispositions or inclinations, and yet who have not developed Bodhicitta, this text will help them develop Bodhicitta, and uh, 
equal in fortune to myself means and further if this text a sin but but those equal in fortune to myself meaning but those bodhisattvas who are no equal uh, to equal in fortune to uh, Shantideva, the Bodhisattva himself, then he says that the text might prove beneficial and meaningful to them to enhance their sense of Bodhicitta or mind of enlightenment. So, uh, these are you know, preliminary explanations or introductory part. Now, uh, the actual explanation of the graduated path to enlightenment. So, it has two sections: the exaltation of the exaltation to grasp the significance of this precious human life of existence and the method to make this human life meaningful. There are two sections. <coughs> now the first one, the exhortation or advice to make most of this human life. <coughs> um, by saying that it's important to make most of this human life, he's uh, implying that Bodhicitta can be most effectively developed on the on a human basis, which means uh, as a human being with a human life. Therefore, he now uh, uh, stresses the importance and the preciousness of a human life uh, for effective development of bodhicitta. Then Jutinish Nyabashindoka, which the text says leisure and endowment <coughs> are very hard to find. Leisure and endowment are the two important words here. And uh, now I will uh, explain to you account uh, the f- uh, eight uh, types of leisure, also uh, translated as eight freedoms. And uh, in order to understand the eight freedoms, uh, eight freedoms are the opposite of uh, the eight um, non-freedoms and or the eight non-leisures. And these are called leisure because if we <coughs> apply ourselves, we have uh, you know, freedom uh, to uh, practice. You know, we are free uh, from various uh, hindrances and obstacles uh, to practice the teachings. <laughs> The eight freedoms are uh, freedom from 
from the rebirth of our being, freedom, freedom from the second one is freedom from um, the rebirth of uh, a hungry ghost or predators or on predators. The third one is freedom from um, being an being an animal or freedom from freedom from the rebirth of uh, of of an animal, and the fourth one is freedom from of the long living gods, world the gods. So these, so these uh, eight freedoms, so these first four freedoms are called freedom from four non-human non-freedoms. Now the four human non-freedoms uh, non-freedom, so the four human non-freedom or just me, freedom from four human non-freedoms, uh, <coughs> which is the first one is uh, rebirth, uh, so a freedom from a rebirth, a human rebirth in a place or at a place where teachings have never, uh, where the precious word of the Buddha has never spread. So this could also mean, uh, you know, freedom from a human bird in a world, not necessarily this world, in a world system where Buddhists had never uh, visited or never been. And now the second one is freedom from a human uh, rebirth, uh, where human rebirth in a remote place. A remote place within this world system refers to, you know, certain corners of the world where the teachings have never spread before. Mm. The uh, fourth human uh, non freedom uh, is uh, freedom from uh, human rebirth with defective uh, organs <coughs> and mind. And meaning, uh, if although one might be human of this world where the Buddha has manifested where teachings are very much prevalent, but if one subjectively speaking is defect is, is crippled uh, by defective organs, <coughs> being blind, being deaf, and being and dumb, or uh, several, you know, gone insane or being crazy, then one won't be one won't have you know the leisure time, or one won't be able to practice the teachings. Um, the fourth one is, which would be the eight freedom, freedom from a human, uh, freedom from being uh, a holder of distorted uh, and erroneous views. Like although one might be a human of this world, but all a healthy body and mind, um, you know, a healthy human of this world. But if one uh, is a hedonist and uh, one who 
one who if one is one who holds on distorted views and who believes, who disbelieves in the uh, working of law of cause and effect, and who dis who negates you know, tangible existence, then one uh, one be able to uh, to appreciate the teachings, and as a result, that this would uh, uh, hinder one from practicing the or <coughs> approaching the teachings. So these are called for human non-freedom states, and we have been free from all of these for human uh, non-freedom states. It's good, it's good to count each of these uh, eight non-freedoms or non-freedom states for um, uh, non-human uh, uh, <coughs> non-freedom states and for human non-freedom states and being free from each of such non-freedom states uh, we should feel that how lucky we are for being such a complete human being human beings mm. Riches or endowments, and now there are ten endowments. Now, for excuse me, uh, the ten endowments are uh, five to be fulfilled by uh, by self and uh, five, uh, the five others to be fulfilled uh, from other sides. And uh, some say that <coughs> for personal uh, endowments to be fulfilled uh, personally, and for circumstantial uh, uh, endowments. And now these are clearly stated in Shavaka Bhumi by uh, Acharya uh, Asanga. Yes. <laughs> so let's count uh, the ten endowments. Many impermanence being a human. No. Uh, and uh, means uh, bird and a central, uh, central and land or central area. あ、ビジネスで、ま、大体で、次で、単純だと、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか、なんか
uh, you know, patricide and matricide and killing off an arhat and uh, then drawing blood with the uh, malicious intention from Buddha's uh, uh, body and creating a schism in the community of Sanghas. And it is said that once we have uh, performed all of them or one of such actions, our uh, our uh, practices um, <coughs> day in and day out will be only vain practices because no matter how hard we, how hard <coughs> we may practice, we will never develop any realizations because we have been so thickly obscured by one of these actions committed by us. And then Nella Deva means uh, faith in the source, literally speaking, but it means uh, interest uh, in the teachings. Uh, it, the reason why it's translated, or it comes in the, uh, by way of interest or faith in the source, because teachings are the ultimate source of uh, in a real happiness and a real peace. And if one has faith or uh, interest in that, this <coughs> is one of the conditions necessary for effective practice. <coughs> so these are called Rangjo, uh, personally, as uh, endowments to be fulfilled personally, uh, because it's important that one has these from one side. And if one has these from one side, so it's uh, these really facilitate uh, the practice of teaching snows. Now, Shenjunga, five endowments to be fulfilled, Shen means other, and fulfilled by other uh, factors or circumstantially. And now the first one is Sangye Jigdindu Jumbaman's manifestation of a Buddha in the world. Teachings by that Buddha. Here, the reason why teachings by Buddha is the second condition uh, because there are Buddhas who do manifest but uh, not give teachings and then in the past over uh, into Nirvana. That, that's why it's important that they give teachings. The fourth one is Temba uh, Nevermans' uh, existence of the teachings. Uh, and uh, the next one is the talk and the women's existence uh, of uh, spiritual community or the community of Sangha members. It's um, if at uh, the place where one is trying to practice teachings. Uh, the Sangha members uh, are not there, it's supposed to have an uh, unpleasant effect on one's practice. Mm-hmm. 
benevolence towards others or affection for others meaning existence of those who have affection for others now uh, in the light of for presence of gurus who affectionately give teachings and presence of for generous <coughs> benefactors who support the practitioners <coughs> So Tanju Tenements <laughs> leisure and endowment this uh, human life with leisure and endowment is hard to find. So Dan Jordan is uh, and, and the word Del and Joy, leisure and endowment, these rare qualities are explained. Mm-hmm. Um, Leisure and endowment are very hard to find. Hard to find a human life with these leisures and with these endowments is uh, undoubtedly, uh, undoubtedly very hard to find. It's hard to find for three things, uh, because of the uh, three things, because of the cost and because of uh, an, ex- uh, an example and, uh, uh, and because of uh, uh, <coughs> number of for human uh, lives. Now, human life is uh, hard to find, causally speaking, or causally speaking, human life is extremely hard to find because our human life is uh, not ordinary human life. Our human life is called uh, precious human life. And now, uh, ordinary human life that other people have, <coughs> even to achieve an ordinary human life, certain single uh, morality must have uh, gone before as a cause of that human life. It means any human being must have practiced certain uh, morality uh, in the past life to be able to come to be able to reborn as a human life as a human being. Then, uh, to be able to uh, attain precious human life or, or get precious human life, not one's uh, in a stand of morality, one um, ultimate morality is enough. Uh, one uh, must have uh, three important things to be able to achieve human life as you have. There are three important things necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, first, is such a human life must come um, uh, in the first place out of a perfect uh, practice, uh, excuse me, from out of a practice of perfect morality. This, this kind of human love must also be, uh, or this kind of human which has come from that morality, that perfect morality, that perfect morality then must be accompanied 
uh, by um, the practice of the six perfections from generosity to uh, wisdom. So these two causes of perfect morality and accompaniment of the six the practice of the six perfections must be concluded by a very strong perfect prayer. By a very, by a very strong prayer, and only when uh, these three things uh, are gone before, then a human love can come into being. And now, human love is difficult to find from the causal point of view, because causally speaking, there are very few in the world that you, you count. There are very few people in the world who lives, who lives, you know. Human, uh, human beings in the world who live a uh, uh, perfect moral life, and then who practice who uh, who practices in uh, the six perfections? Very few, and who prays for such a human love? Again, very few. Therefore, human love is extremely hard to find, causally speaking. And now we have because we have such a human love, which in fact is rare to find. Therefore, we must make most when the sun of this human life shines, shines, and otherwise he says, it's read, uh, how, how will such a perfect opportunity come about again, as the text says, and which we will, Karamji uh, uh, says, deal, we will deal with these lines next time um, we meet, till then we stop here tonight. <laughs> The text allows them that the understanding of so this uh, human love uh, <coughs> is extremely difficult to find, uh, especially from the causal point of view, from the cause of human love point of view. It's a human love is extremely uh, hard to find because uh, in order to be reborn as human beings, uh, one uh, needs to have uh, practice positive deeds. One needs to have uh, been a virtuous person physically, verbally, and mentally. And uh, you, uh, we all know that there are very few people who are extremely virtuous or who engage in positive actions of body, spirit, and mind. Uh, consequently, uh, human beings with perfect uh, <coughs> human situations are, are extremely difficult to <coughs> to find. Mm. <laughs> 
So uh, important texts as these uh, must be um, studied and pursued with great care and uh, diligence um, because these are not that easy to understand. However, if we keep on persevering and studying the text, then we uh, benefit a lot in that uh, our horizon or our knowledge increases by many folds. Uh, and since they accomplish what is meaningful for man, uh, now uh, <coughs> for man, the Sanskrit word is Purusha means one who is capable of uh, doing something, of fulfilling uh, goals or uh, objectives uh, set before uh, for him. And now the goals are uh, ach achieving temporarily higher rebirths of humans and worldly gods, and ultimately the still liberation and uh, enlightenment. So these are the two types of goals. Mm. So this. Um, uh, human life is extremely meaningful in that uh, they uh, it helps us accomplish uh, the highest goals that we may ever uh, set for ourselves to achieve. Uh, uh, all the temporary, you know, temporary and ultimate goals can be easily achieved if we make most of this human life. Mm. When this human love endowed with those eight types of freedom or leisures and the ten endowments uh, or ten uh, rich qualities uh, is extremely capable of uh, achieving any um, result or any goal, and now it will be extremely unfortunate if we do not uh, make most of this human life uh, and take advantage of this human life and just simply waste this human life by, li by living a very ordinary life. Therefore, to take uh, advantage or to make most of this human life is to transcend ordinary existence and we can transcend ordinary <coughs> existence, repetitive ordinary existence, uh, by engaging or applying ourselves in wholesome or positive actions.
Now it says that the third line, if and the last two lines, in fact, if I do not take advantage of for them, meaning uh, this, you can say, if I do not take advantage of this human life now, now, how will such a perfect opportunity come about again? Now has a significance. If we do not uh, um, make most of this human life now by uh, performing or by uh, <coughs> engaging in positive actions or by living a very uh, <coughs> wholesome, virtuous life, uh, then how can we expect to find such a human life again? Because if we do not uh, uh, perform virtuous actions, we know that uh, virtuous action, speech and uh, thoughts are the uh, indispensable causes of human life. And without having uh, uh, performed uh, positive actions of body, speech and mind, and, without, and, and having completed a wasted human life, in ordinary worldly activities, how can we expect to come back as humans in our next lifetime? And it is quite likely that then, in our future lifetimes, we may as well we may uh, we may be reborn in in one of the three unfortunate existence, two realms of existence. Once, if we once if we are reborn in the three realms, then we know it quite well that. Uh, as a being, or as a person, as a being of the, uh, as a suffering being of the two lower realms of uh, existence, uh, we don't have those leisure and endowment, the facility, you know, that uh, skills. As a result, we won't have uh, uh, necessary causes to, to come back as human beings. Now, if only you keep this uh, um, verse in mind, and then you know, think of this verse, and then act accordingly, you know, whatever the practice of this uh, verse, the application of this verse in one's daily life, whatever that application of this verse is capable of uh, helping one. By that extent, one will be in a safe, uh, somewhere in a safe uh, existence. Therefore, uh, when this human life is very capable of achieving any goal, then wouldn't it be indeed sad if this uh, human life is completely wasted <coughs> and uh, one goes empty-handed to the next life? Uh, to summarize this, although one can achieve, one can uh, develop altruistic mind of enlightenment, or the altruistic wish to achieve enlightenment for the benefit of all suffering beings, uh, even as non-human beings, uh, however, uh, it's, it is uh, harder as non-human beings to develop this precious mind. The, uh, that precious mind can more uh, easily or more effectively <coughs> developed uh, <coughs> um, so that precious mind can be more uh, effectively uh, be developed as human beings 
therefore we have to it's uh, the author uh, emphasizes the value and preciousness of human uh, life or human body therefore advises us not to waste this precious human life mm. now uh, verse uh, verse uh, fifth has two main sections in fact verse fifth Fifth is about a method to make uh, this human love meaningful. It has two ways of making it meaningful. Contemplation of the benefits. Methods to make this human love ben- uh, meaningful by way of generating the precious mind. And it has two sections. Contemplation of the uh, benefits of uh, the precious mind, Buddha, and how to practice the six perfections after developing this precious mind. Now, um, <coughs> first, uh, first, this verse is uh, first. This verse pertains to uh, the difficulty of generating this precious mind. How difficult it is to generate this precious mind. So, Bernard just as. Uh, 